You've tuned in to localjobnetwork.com radio, and you're listening to the LJN Radio Quad, where our radio hosts gather to share their thoughts, ideas, and perspectives on all topics employment-related. I'm Trey Cochran, and joining me in the quad today is Azure Mahara. Hello. Carly Rubach. Hi. And Jacqueline Peterson. Hello. Azure, I know that you had a great topic to start us off with today, uh, one that might help a lot of our listeners out there. Unfortunately, because I think a lot of people can relate to your topic. So I was hoping that you would uh, kick us off in the quad today. Sure. Uh, I wanted to talk about today if your boss doesn't like you and and if there's anything you can do. Basically, I wanted to um, talk about this so that our listeners can maybe look at the situation a little bit differently instead of, well, my boss just doesn't like me. Well, what? Let's take some of that and see what, and self reflect and see what we can do to change it. So, um, I guess basically just reasons why your boss wouldn't like you and how you should fix it. <laughs> Jacqueline? I, oh, why are you guys looking at me? <laughs> you were looking at me first. Because I have direct reports. Um, yes. No, I, uh, I really think that when you have direct reports, you know, you're, you're working as a team and everyone has a responsibility. Everyone has something to do, including yourself, especially as their manager or leader or whatever you are, whatever role you have with them. And I think for me personally, for being candid, what I find frustrating, I don't know if I would use the word like, I don't like this person, but more or less um, the tasks at hand. It's, It's for me personally, when I find an issue with a direct report, it's more so like they're not meeting deadlines or they're not completing their tasks or um, you get a lot of pushback. To me, that's frustrating because um, it's like, well, this is your job, so do it. If you do your job, come to me if you need anything. I'll help you. I'll mentor you. I'll teach you. But once I like send you on your way, I feel like you should do it. So to give tips to job seekers who are listening or, and have that uh, melancholy attitude or the poor me syndrome, really look in the mirror and say, am I meeting my deadlines? Am I following processes? Am I pleasant to work with? That's big. Yeah. If you have a negative attitude, it's like the one bad it's like the bad apple that ruins the bunch and i i read an article um kind of focused around this which is what gave me the idea for the topic today and one of the things that they had said in there was um are you a drama king or a drama queen you know do you cause drama if you do stop (laughs) yeah no that's true yeah no i think azure and jacqueline you both touched on key things there Azure, you said self-reflect and jacqueline you said look in the mirror so Whenever you have an issue with an individual, whether it's a coworker, a peer, your boss, whatnot, I think you always need to just take a step back and look and see, well, why why is this relationship not going well? What are some things that are maybe pre- preventing us from working well together or enjoying just being around each other? Because you may both be doing your work at a high rate, very exceptional work, um, efficient and getting things done. But for some reason, you just have that feeling like, oh, they don't really like me. So at first, you might want to just step back, see if there's something that you're doing. Maybe watch them interact with other people that they get along with. See what kind of people they like to be around or the kind of personality they are before you automatically put it on them that it's an issue uh, with them. And that's why you're not clicking. So if you have that kind of attitude, you almost are humbling yourself and not blaming it on the individual, which in this case, as you said, uh, would be your boss. And that will hopefully, you know, take you to that next level where you could approach them and your relationship could kind of evolve and get to that 
level where there's no awkwardness or, or hostility between you two, which in the end will only help you get your work done even better than before, like I said. Right. I think you you hit a good point is taking a look at people that they do have a good relationship with and kind of mimicking that behavior. Um, you don't have to necessarily suck up or do anything no. like that, but just look at how that person maybe responds when the boss asks, um, you know, can you get this done? How does that person respond versus how do you respond? Sure. Um, does that person come in earlier than you do? You know, things like that. Like just, and that other person that you're looking at doesn't even have to know that you're kind of watching their behavior, um, but you can just kind of observe it and, and see if there's anything that they're doing that you're not. And then maybe you'll be like, oh, that's what, that that's a, a pet peeve of my boss. Now I figured it out. Yeah, and I feel like I'm a real people pleaser, so once I pick up on bad vibes from my boss, I'd it would kind of freak me out. So I would try to seek that feedback right away. I mean, if I look at myself and I feel like I'm doing everything I can, I would then seek some feedback at that point. And so would you go to your boss if you felt there was that hostility there, Carly, and ask them straightforward saying, like, is there something I'm doing wrong on this project or in my work, or is there something just I'm doing regularly that's that's uh, that you would want me to fix or is there something I need to improve on? Would you, or would you be direct about it or a little bit more indirect and kind of focus on like the work part of it instead of what might be perceived as a personal uh, conflict? Yeah, I might keep it more open-ended, maybe mm-hmm. less confrontational and just say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm looking for some feedback. How am I doing? Anything I can improve on? I really want to do well here and just think, follow up that way. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I think Carly, you do a good job of like checking in. So if Carly's working on an assignment, for those listeners out there, Carly does report to me. <laughs> <laughs> if she's working on an assignment, one thing that I can appreciate um, is that she'll say, you know, hey, this is what I wanted to do. This is what I was thinking. Is this okay with you? And then provide me like an example so that, you know, we're not wasting a lot of time. And most of the you know, nine out of 10 times, I'm like, yeah, that's spot on, go for it. Uh, and I think that when you're working with someone, you want to also think about saving them time. Because if you're just giving them, oh, do you, do you mind if I do this? And they're like, well, what does that mean? Show me what it looks like. I need to, you know, quickly approve it or whatever. I think that that's helpful to help your boss um, jive with you a little bit more. Like you said, Trey, as far as getting that working relationship to be better and improve, a lot of it is for me personally, and, and I don't know if you guys have experience with direct reports, but I, for me, what I find is that if you can save me time or not waste a lot of my time, mm-hmm. I as a manager, can I see value in you because mm-hmm. you're, th- you're a forward thinker. You're trying to stay a little, you know, a couple steps ahead of me so that you're like, okay, if she asks this, this is what I can give her. And if you cannot waste my time, um, and I think generally speaking, most managers are like this because I tend to hang out with managers in our office and we sort of all talk about the same thing. You know, you want to think ahead. You want to plan ahead. You want to have a plan of attack. And then also one of the ones, too, that I hear from my my manager friends here in the office is that rules and processes are really important. Follow the rules. Follow the processes. You know, these aren't coming from your managers. Right. These aren't our rules that we made. They are company policy. It's how we do business. And at the end of the day, if you want to be part of the club, these are the rules. If you don't want to be part of the club, go someplace else. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of managers struggle when they say, oh, my most difficult employee, one of the common denominators is 
that person doesn't want to follow the rules and the processes or that person doesn't value the mission of the organization and the image that the organization is putting out. And I would say, generally speaking, I'm pretty confident that when a manager has an issue with a direct report, that's typically what it boils down to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think um, you nailed on something too, Jacqueline, is taking a little bit of the initiative to make sure you have the solution to the problem or um, you're, you already have something ready before your boss even asks for it. Um, but maybe not take the initiative so much where you're spending so much time on it to run it past them first. Hey, this is what I was thinking about doing. Um, I know that you're going to be expecting this next week. This is the process I'm going to take to get that done. Does that sound good to you? So that they know what's on your mind. They know that you're ahead and kind of thinking ahead in that. Managers love forward thinking direct reports. That doesn't mean to take it and run with it and don't get approval because, again, you still have to follow the rules and the processes. But if you're going to pitch a recommendation, come with an example. If you're going to say, I don't like something, come with a solution. That's probably one of my biggest pet Mm -hmm. peeves. Oh, I don't like that idea. Well, do you have another idea? <laughs> yeah. And I, I've, you know, I've heard that numerous times throughout different jobs. Yeah. Don't come to me with the problem. Come to me with the solution to yeah, the problem. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So in summation, we could say uh, a lot of times if you are having that bad relationship with your manager or any coworker for that matter, um, take a step back, kind of see maybe what's the cause of that. Is it a professional thing? Is it a personal issue? And then uh, be forward in, in in solving it if you know it's, uh, because you're not getting your deadlines in on time and you can totally see that and understand that, make an effort and make an effort and make it a visible effort uh, so that your manager knows that at least you're trying. So if you have a lot on your plate and you just can't get it done and some things are kind of getting stacked up, that's understandable, but really let the people know that you're working with that you're really not trying to waste their time and you're trying your best and um, hopefully that relationship will improve. Yeah, don't just settle with my boss doesn't like me. Exactly, don't <laughs> feel sorry me. for yourself. <laughs> right. But our uh, next topic in the quad that Carly is actually going to touch on is something that many um, employees these days can relate to, especially, and something that she's actually going through right now. So Carly, how about you introduce our next topic? Right, so I recently started working here, and before this I was working from home, so two totally different environments. When I was working from home, you know, I woke up early, but I just walk to my couch and I make coffee and I get on my computer and it's comfortable and relaxed and it's just me. I'm connecting um, with my coworkers through technology, through Skype, Gchat. Um, and now I'm, I'm here in a cube and it's different. So <laughs> um, I'm just sort of adjusting to this setting and I'm finding I like it more because it turns out I enjoy human interaction. So um, I just good. wanted to. <laughs> I just wanted to That's open it up, I and I know. <laughs> <laughs> and Jacqueline um, also works remotely a few days a week, so sure. I think we both have some parallels. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah when I, uh, yeah, h- hearing this topic, I could definitely relate. It's different, mm-hmm. absolutely. One of the things that I have done to, you know, it's it's different. Like the environment. Here is a lot more exciting and fun, and and then you're home all alone, and there's nobody there but you. Um, <laughs> I tend to find that when I'm work from home, I I actually get more work done because you have less interruptions. So when I have a lot of deadlines that I need to meet and projects I need to continue working on, I do look forward to those times. Um, On the flip side, though, it's really important to get out into the office, connect with people in person, collaborate on projects together. Yes, you can definitely do that via technology. 
Um, but I, I, there's, there's a hands down added value to coming into the office. And um, yeah, I, I probably work more when I'm at home because I'm always afraid I'm going to miss a call or a, a chat or something. Mm-hmm. So my lunches are less, they're, you know, shorter. Um, you know, I'm pretty much stuck to my computer the entire time. So there's definitely pros and cons. You can sort of look at it. I'm always like, I don't want people to think like, oh, she's not working hard or she's, where is she? She's not answering her phone. And I can honestly say, I don't think I've ever not answered a call. I'm like, I'm right here. I'm just on the call right now. I'll call you back. Um, But it is different. And I think you just have to adjust and you have to plan accordingly. So I like to do a lot of my um, meetings with my team that are one-on-one when I'm working from home. I can get that interaction with them. Then when I'm in the office, I like to do my team meetings together where I'm with multiple people and then just sort of balance it that way. But Yeah, Jacqueline, you mentioned something that I related to right away when you said, well, you said that you were always worried that you might miss a call or you're stuck to your computer. So relating back to uh, a job I used to have, I worked um, in an agency where we staffed healthcare workers. Mm -hmm. And that would, in office time, was... uh, a lot less stressful than managing the phones and the work outside of the office. Um, if you had someone that was working a night shift coming up, you had to have your phone on at all times in case uh, the weather or they couldn't make it and you had to find someone else to work that shift. And that was done at home. And it was more stressful than when you were in the office because you had that support around you in the office. You never had to worry. Like you had said, well, I have to make sure I don't miss anything so that I'm not questioned about the next time I come into the office, like, well, you missed this or something's going on. So I would say that uh, there's a misconception of working from home is you know, less stressful and it's a lot more fun and it's lackadaisical sure. type thing. But really, I would say that anyone with a, a drive and that um, kind of commitment to their job and their work and their company is going to almost feel a little bit more stress working from home because they don't want to ever be questioned about their work and, and stuff like that or miss anything, a deadline, yeah. a chat, an email, a call. So uh, that's that. Was, you said exactly kind of what I was thinking when you were talking well, about I, that. I had actually heard someone one time saying that, oh, you know, um, it's okay to, you know, unload the dishwasher, do a couple loads of laundry. And I was thinking... <laughs> I am like glued to my computer. Yep. I don't have time. And actually, because I don't take a full lunch, um, I have to like force myself to get up because I'm afraid I'm going to get like some sort of deep vein thrombosis from sitting <laughs> for eight hours. Yeah, see, that's not good. <laughs> I know. So, th- so I think that there's, and it's not like, it's not because I'm like, you know, we work in a great environment. We have a lot of fun here, but you don't want to let your team down. Right. I have direct reports coming to me. They need things. They need questions. They need, or they have questions. They need answers. They need me to look at stuff. I don't want to let them down. So it's not like you you're you're in a in a really tough environment that there's just not a lot of wiggle room. Obviously, that's not the case because they're allowing this flexibility to work in different locations and you have technology. So that's not it. It's not wanting to let your team down, not wanting to miss a deadline, not wanting to for them to be stuck because they can't get a hold of you because there was a question that they needed that came up and blah, blah, blah. blah. So, um, so yeah, it's definitely a different environment. But I mean, I see the value in both. Yeah. When um, I recently just worked from home, um, and I normally, always, you know, I come into the office. I don't, I don't work remotely. But we we had closed the office due to weather, so a whole office worked from home, and it was it was different for me. Um, there's a few pros and cons that I 
that I felt about the situation. Um, one thing was that I do a lot of um, work with the advertising and stuff like that, and I didn't have my bigger screen, so that was that was hard. So if I ever worked from home, I would have to have another computer that I could, you know, lock in my 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 laptop into and and kind of work from that. Um, but the other thing was kind of what you were saying, Jacqueline, and we actually just went to lunch and discussed this. I had gotten up and used the ladies' room at one point, and I missed a phone call, and I came back, and I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, they're going to think that I wasn't working. So, like, <laughs> you know, it was just like that that like moment, you know, and it just made you very frantic. What I did like about it um, was the fact that I woke up at the normal time that I wake up, um, as Carly was saying, and instead of you know, feeling like I had to get ready and then get in the car and drive here and all that stuff. I mean, you know, I kind of got ready, but I'm not going to lie. I stayed in my pajama pants for a little while. (laughs) That's what it's all about, yeah. (laughs) And um, I started working right away. So that time that I would have taken to get ready in the morning to commute into work, I logged in and I just started working. Um, And then the same thing at the end of the day, the time that I would have left to get home and all that stuff, I felt like I could still sit there and work that extra half hour or whatever it was, you know, Mm -hmm. because you're actually sitting there. Um, So I'm not saying that in every situation, it was just my most recent and really, you know, the only thing that I can draw from. Um, I enjoyed that. I thought that that was a benefit for the company, having somebody work from home, was that the, even though, you know, I would put in that, the way I looked at it is I would put in that extra time anyway, commuting or doing whatever. Now I'm going to just do it working and then, you know, and then I'll be done. Um, so they, you know, got a little bit more hours out of me. And, but the the downside was that, like you had said, you are you get so paranoid that somebody's going to think or you're going to miss something or you're going to let your team down or whatever um, and you just want to be so on top of it because you're not in the office and because people can't physically see you or stop by that you don't want to miss any phone calls you don't want anything so you don't want to get up and so that was the downside and it's not that I don't ever get up I do get up (laughs) that's good (laughs) but yeah you know you just you just want to make sure that you're there you're accessible when they need you that's what I yeah exactly that's what I mean by not getting up (laughs) (laughs) so Carly would you now hearing our opinions on it, would you have any, since you are going through this right now, would you have any suggestions for any of our listeners out there who are maybe looking to go from a work at home position back into a structured office setting? Or are there any things that you have done actively to kind of help yourself uh, adapt to that change? Or has it just been a nice transition? And you can say to our listeners, it's not that different it's not that big of a deal you might like it better like what what my uh, suggestions would you have yeah for me it's been pretty great I've enjoyed the transition very much I was nervous about it I you know I was it's just a new structure I'm following completely different rules it was very relaxed at my old job so I was nervous but it's been very easy there's enough you know feedback coming back and forth from people and it's been, you know, easy, and I'm, I'm bringing in some strategies that I developed working from home into this as well. They, you know, so there are some parts of that that overlap and that yeah, you can use. Yeah, just, I mean, working from home. I think the most important thing for me was to make sure there were all the systems in place that were necessary to make sure that there was communication between my coworkers. So I initiated like status updates every week just to make sure we're all on the same page and that's something that carries over here too um and making lists checklists are the best being thing organized. in the world yeah being that's organized. Uh, underlying yeah. <laughs> being organized well yeah. so yeah so that's awesome and hopefully some of our listeners that maybe are in that position um can relate to us or 
uh, whatnot. But um, I wanted to move on to our next topic, which Jacqueline is going to introduce. And this topic uh, has the potential to open up a whole can of worms. But <laughs> I think we're going to stay pretty structured here. We'll yeah. see. I'm interested on everyone's opinion. So uh, I guess before I tease anyone anymore, I'll let Jacqueline take over. So I was having a conversation with one of my girlfriends the other day, and she had it was applying for a new position, and one of the position requirements was to get drug tested. And um, she was a little bit upset about it. <laughs> <laughs> Why, Jacqueline? <laughs> I don't know. And uh, so she was saying, you know, well, I don't know what to do. Like, is it going to be blood? Is it going to be urine? Like, what, what is it going to be? And And I looked at her, and I'm like, well, if, if the position requires you to be drug tested and you're concerned about that, and that's part of the rules, kind of going back to our first topic, rules and processes. If you want to be part of the club, these are, this, these are the rules you got to follow. Right. Why would you subject yourself to that if you already know that that's not something that you can comply with, mm-hmm. um, especially if it's going to be like random after this? And, you know, but of course, you know, that was a, a di- kind of rolled into a different conversation. So I guess my question to you is, and I don't necessarily want to talk about the legalization of marijuana in, in Colorado and Washington, but let's talk <laughs> about the fact that there's rules and processes in place and every organization has different ones. Just like when you play sports, you want to play um, basketball, baseball, whatever it is, there's going to be rules to the game. And I feel like that's the same thing with organizations. And her argument to me was, well, if it's legal in Colorado and it's legal in Washington, why, you know, what's the big deal? It's They're, they're obviously on to something. And I'm like, well, I mean, that's a whole other kind of worm. So like, she was revisiting the whole topic. <laughs> so when you said we were going to avoid, we actually are going to dive she, into that. Well, no, no, she, she was trying to, you know, argue that. But, yeah. but what I was t- telling her was that, Right, and and I understand what you're saying, and, you, and that's a whole nother topic. However, the place that you're choosing to work has a set of rules and a set of processes that you're to follow. And why would you put you and your family at risk if they're going to be doing random drug tests? You know what I'm saying? Like, I just don't understand that mentality. So I sort of wanted to get your opinions on what you thought about, you know, drug testing at work and. You know, yes, it's legal in some areas as far as doing drugs and whatnot. But what sort of what are your thoughts are? And do you share the same philosophy with me about you know rules are rules, and if you don't like it, go find another club. I I the job that I came from before here um, did a lot of random random drug testing, yeah. and it was always really frustrating for me because I would get pulled out of my job. I would have it, it took like a half hour. Like to go and then do this, and then you'd have to go to a different part of the building, and, and it was a big organization, and I, it was frustrating because I knew I was gonna pass, and I was like, yeah, this is so stupid, like you know why, you know, but I understand it's random, you know, everything like that, but it wasted so much time, wasted so much money, but then on the flip side, like I've also in my past worked with somebody that was let go because they were drinking on the job. Um, I think that random drunk testing is fine, but I also think, I don't know, I think the organization needs to actually look at, you know, what what are they testing for? You know, is it marijuana or is it, you know, something harder, um, things like that, and just kind of assess the situation for that. Um, I don't, I, I can honestly say that if anybody, you know, I always notice if somebody um, was an alcoholic that I worked with or like a heavy drug user or had, you know, a history with, with drugs or something like that, I, you know, you can pick up on that stuff a mm-hmm. little bit, but the pothead in the office, 
soul. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that, I guess that just didn't ever really bother me. Um, so I'm, I'm all about random drug testing. If it is for something that, you know, is going to be a little bit harder and it's going to cause issues at work or, you know, it, it could be a downward spiral or it could cause theft later on or something like that. And it's protecting the company. It's protecting the other employees. Um, maybe you can offer that employee help. Um, but to me, you know, I, I think of marijuana the same way I think of cigarettes or alcohol. Like, they're, you know, maybe not even alcohol to that to that degree, but um, it's something that can be controlled. You know, I guess, I don't know, what do you guys think? Yeah, I guess I kind of agree with both of you. Like, if it's already in place, if those are the rules, then you know what you're getting into, but should it be there in the first place? Like, I, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe if you're, I was talking to somebody last night, we were discussing this and we were like, well, yeah, maybe if you're operating heavy machinery, if you're, right. you know, with kids or something like that, driving a school bus full of kids and yeah, maybe you should be drug tested. But, you know, if it's just a regular day and yeah, I, I agree nothing with that. that would affect, I don't know. Yeah. But, like look at what the job is for and then what you should be testing for and kind of that, um, I guess use some common sense in it. Yeah, and you just have to, if you're going to be looking at an application or a job description or and you get to the point where these are the things that are need to be done to even gain possible or try to gain employment with a, a company and then you would be subject to these things, you have to sit there and say, do I agree with maybe the structure and the morals of this company? Um, I know I was I was screened and drug tested for a previous position and I didn't think twice about it. I just was checking off the boxes like yep here's my background check here's this i didn't even right. stop at that box now i personally believe uh like my personal views are well you can too much of anything is not good yeah if you're sure if you're operating heavy machinery whatever be drug tested but are you going to blow into a breathalyzer every time you hop on that too because it's the same thing you can <laughs> right. be impaired from a right. lot of different things other than in this instance marijuana or whatnot so i feel like that's a, a whole different thing, and those are like my personal views. But I checked it off. Yeah, I don't care. I'll do a drug test. I know I was going to pass and whatnot. The only thing I failed in, in the pre-screen was my blood pressure because I have white coat syndrome, and it was just <laughs> through the roof. And they kept me there for like an hour trying to calm me down, and it just never happened. I was sweating, and it was horrible. <laughs> oh, no. So finally they just said, all right, we're going to clear you on that one. So um, if, so maybe if you're nervous enough, they'll let you go. But, uh, <laughs> no, so, yeah, you just got to sit down and think, okay, if this company has these rules in place, then they obviously – that's more of a, I think for companies that have those rules in place, it's more of a, a, a moral decision of whoever's making those rules. It's not necessarily because we don't believe you can do your job right if you're doing this, because like I said, there's a lot of other things that can impair people's judgment, ability to function, whatnot, not just certain drugs. There's a lot of different things that are legal mm -hmm. that people can do that are going to affect their lives, their their friends or family, when you were talking alcohol, gambling, all these different things, any addictions, anything that can consume you. So you sit down, you say, does this company fit my morals? And that might be a good thing if they have that there because then you know what you're getting yourself into. Like everyone said, you'll know that's not a good fit for you personally because even though you might be able to do that job well, whatever it is, you need to like the people you work for. You need to like the the views, the, the mission statement of a company, what they're really about. And I think that's good then. You actually know, all right, this isn't a good fit for me or great, I definitely agree with this. I don't I don't do those things. I, I don't believe in that. I think that's a great thing that they have in place. I would definitely like to work for this company. So uh, not saying it's it's a good or a bad thing that it's part of the screening process, but I would be happy that a company, if that's their view, 
on topics like that, that they at least put it forward. So I know what I'm getting myself into. Trey, you, you said something that kind of made me chuckle a little bit, but <laughs> um, if you're not going to go work for a company because you like to smoke pot, maybe you should reassess your yeah. Your priorities. Yeah. Like, <laughs> just saying. Well, um, yeah. Def- well, that's I what mean, I'm trying to say. Like, that's then, not a good fit for you well, professionally. Well, that's yeah. what I was trying to tell her was that you need to take a step back and not look at just the logistics of how are you going to get this job. You need to just you need to really seriously consider is this the right fit for you? Exactly. And if not, move to Washington or Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> and it might not even be someone that's looking at that application saying, "Oh, well, I partake in this." recreational activity a lot so I just wouldn't be able to do this position because I would end up not complying with their rules and regulations but there's a lot of topics out there not including this that people just have political views on whether they are users or not so you could sit there and you could be an advocate for something even though you don't partake in it or not so someone might be all about um the benefits to the economy because of something like this and so they look at this and they're like oh they just don't understand and, and people are that passionate about things that they don't even do so you don't necessarily have to be someone that's like oh no can't pass those tests don't think i can work here and then definitely you'd want to reassess right. what kind of professions you're going into or what you're doing with your own life maybe at that time but uh in this in this instance i don't think you can get mad at the employer for requiring it um like you said you can move somewhere else you can go to a different company not everyone does and um if you find that a lot of the positions you are applying for, maybe you're in healthcare, and that's and that's something that you have to do deal with no matter where you're applying, then you have to reassess. You see, maybe you shouldn't have went to nursing school. Right. Maybe you shouldn't have went to go be a doctor because you knew these things are here. You're obviously um, smart enough to take part in that profession. So if you weren't aware of that, then I don't know. I feel like you made a wrong choice along the line, maybe in your professional choice, not necessarily what you do in your free time. I, I think that, you know, Another thing, too, just to point out that it's not just on um, drug use, but I actually have a friend that on an application for the job that she currently has, they told her that if she was a, a smoker, that they wouldn't hi- they don't hire smokers. And hmm. they worked with cancer, cancer patients. Mm-hmm. So they would oh, okay. they had a no, you know, no tolerance policy on cigarette smoking. Um, you know, and she was a smoker and she was like, I really want this job, but I smoke. And. For a while, she just kept it secret, but she eventually quit, and you know, and she was happy that she did. So, oh, so it was just you know, that's a good story. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, you just have to look at it and and see, you know, is it worth it to give it up? Um, maybe you could try to bend the rules for a little bit, but I don't know. Except you know, if you want to try to risk that, but well, obviously, this is a topic that we could talk about all day, and uh, <laughs> I'm sure some of our listeners out there are trying to find the email to give us some feedback. So uh, I'll get to that. But we have one more topic we want to touch on before we leave the quad today. So our last topic that we're going to touch on is something a little bit uh, more lighthearted. I feel like I'm always picking these kind of topics <laughs> in the quad. I, I, don't, I kind of deviate away from a bit. But I saw a article about the 25 most outrageous interview questions that were asked um, this past year. And in one of our recent radio meetings, we actually chose this as a topic to kind of get some discussion going. And I just wanted to ask anyone if they've had experience being asked one of those crazy questions. For example, the first question on this 25 most outrageous was, if you could get rid of one state in the United States, which would it be and why? Which is right away, like, what do you say to that? (laughs) And And there's, everyone has like their opinions on these questions, but I was just wondering if anyone's heard of any crazy um, questions that them or their friends or family have been asked in an interview, how they answered, and then 
what's really the strategy to come at these weird questions that you really don't see what the point is and what are employers really trying to gain from asking these questions? Oh, no, go ahead. Well, I I personally haven't been asked anything totally outrageous. Like the list that you sent us was pretty crazy talking about penguins and sombreros and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, if the penguin and the sombrero walked into yeah. the office and asked What would he say and yeah, why? Yeah, what would he say and why? Yeah. Anyway. What was the answer? Whatever you want it to be. <laughs> I want sunscreen or where's the sunscreen was one of them. Um, but I, I, I appreciate the more unconventional questions during an interview. I feel like they, and I'm sure, you know, interviewers, you know, to lean towards those to kind of get people more comfortable and relaxed. So like interviewing here, I was asked about, you know, did I play sports growing up? And like immediately I would relax. And why do you think we asked you that? Um, I think there's a bit of a competitive nature in this office, and yeah, it could relate very much so. <laughs> could relate to that, and just you know, work ethic goes along with sports and all that stuff. So, I appreciate the more unconventional questions. It kind of allows you to relax, and it's it's what you know, um, so you can speak from the heart, speak truth. So, I appreciate those questions. I think when employers are asking interview questions there are definitely unconventional ones and then there's reasons behind it so um we asked you carly if you work for if you've ever played sports because we wanted to know if you were a team player that was a specific one not necessarily i mean you brought up competitiveness and i Mm -hmm. think that that's good but what we ask is um you know, did you play team sports? And we're always curious if you're going to be playing a team sport or if it's an individual sport so Mm -hmm. if you played basketball versus tennis, we're kind of like, oh, okay, well, did you play any other sports? So we sort of are like digging to find out, okay, Mm -hmm. you know, what sort of qualities do you have as a team? Because we here are very team oriented. So that's why we asked you that specific question. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of employers do that too, because they want to know, okay, what's their personality like? Another question we'll ask is like, do you believe in luck? I I'm didn't never, get that one. Wait a minute, you asked. That's a I don't. Check? I have, oh. but but it's a it's a common one. Huh. What's, what's the, right the what are you seeking well, what, out of what's, that? What's the answer? Do you believe in luck? No, I make my own luck. Yeah, I would say that. Yeah, same thing. I am a believer of luck. <laughs> <laughs> that's the right answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. I believe in miracles too. Just putting mm-hmm. that out there. <laughs> I believe in miracles. I mean, you know, there's different <laughs> different definitions of luck when preparation meets opportunity and whatever. There are fortunate times that you get in your life. And um, I don't personally ask that question, but I know that it is a big question mm. that a lot mm. of different managers ask. And um, I don't know if you two would have made it if you said no. I feel like the, <laughs> when you're trying to think from the employer's perspective, you would want to say, no, I work hard to make my own luck. But it does make sense to say, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. believe in luck. Um, I never, I guess I never had any like really outrageous questions asked of me in an interview. I did have one time I was hiring, this was in college, I was hiring to be a bartender at a um, kind of an upscale place. And I went in and I I was doing the the interview and then he was like, name five types of whiskey. Name five types. And it was just, and he didn't want, he wanted, you know, five rail, five call, five top shot. Like he sounds like a game I play on the weekend. (laughs) And I would, I I mean, it, it took me for surprise because I was just like, um, I, my experience is at a college dive bar. <laughs> like, I can give you all the rail you want to know. Um, but, you know, it was just going from there, you know, it was just that was kind of a little that was something that I felt like I could learn once I was there. And 
I actually came up with, you know, with, with answers for everything. But um, and then another question that I was asked was, how do you make a certain type of martini? Um, again, on my application, you can see that I don't work at a place where we make martinis, you know, <laughs> but I, I knew how to make it. So I just said it and I was just like, I don't know where it came from. That would be a moment where I felt like I had some luck on my side because right. all of a sudden I was like, when was the last time I made a Cosmo? <laughs> never, never. Like, how do I know how to make that? Um, but I did. So, you know, it's just just be prepared for things that they might want you. You might be able to learn it once you're there, but maybe just do a little bit of background checking just to see, um, okay, just in case they ask me this question, I have a little bit of knowledge. You don't have to get super um, overwhelmed by that, but just kind of have it in the back of your mind of stuff that you might be learning. You know, if they want you to know this program, do some research on that program so that you know a little bit about it so that you can at least engage in the conversation and let them know that you're aware of this program or you know you know how it functions but you still need some help in and actually mastering that program and i don't want any of our job seekers out there to get scared that the next interview they go into it's just going to be a bunch of random <laughs> questions about penguins <laughs> and sombreros and luck. And, and luck and how to make a cocktail and all this stuff um I, it's just well, it's we might just, have some that are really good at the <laughs> cocktail question yeah right uh it's just i think it's a way for employers generally to kind of see what kind of mentality you have so if you're going in for a very creative position where you're going to be thinking outside the box on a lot of things they're they might ask you those questions just to see where where your mind kind of takes you in a decision making process since that probably isn't a question you actually were able to prepare yourself for how do you go about answering a question do you take time to think about it for a second or do you just jump in and start rambling off things you know there's i think there's they're not so much interested in the answer you give as they are the reason behind it or maybe the thought process, um, kind of like a problem Critical solving thinking thing. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, I, and then I just don't, I hope that employers aren't basing their decisions whether to hire someone or not. If there's that one odd question in the interview that they were asking to just kind of maybe uh, put them into a type A or type B personality category, I hope they're not basing whether they're going to hire a person off of that question alone, especially if the interview process was an hour long. You've been doing phone interviews. Your resume looks good. You could do the job well. Uh, Jacqueline just said if I answered the luck question wrong in her interview, I might not be working here. So (laughs) we and her might be be clashing after this. But uh, uh, yeah, just those are kind of some things to be aware of when you're going into an interview. I know we've been in the quad for a long time already, so I want to just end it uh, coming up here soon so we're not keeping all of our listeners. I'm sure you guys are wondering how to email us topics for our next uh, show. So if you do have any suggestions, send a message to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. For Azure Mahara, Carly Rubach, and Jacqueline Peterson, I'm Trey Cochran. Thanks for listening, everyone.